This is We Do Podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Luke. We are back. We were on vacation for a little bit, so uh, thanks for dealing with a, a short lapse in your podcasting listening stuff. They're fine. So what do we have on tap today? We have another article to, that we read. Yeah. So the last episode that we talked about articles was called Hot Takes. I think it was episode 10. Um, and I signed you a little bit of homework. Because you were really frustrated with the New York Times article and how it didn't provide actual concrete like steps to take to improve marriage. Kind of saying that like marriage of convenience and uh, practical marriage wasn't working and romantic marriage wasn't working. So what do we do? How do we pick the right partner? Mm-hmm. So I sent you, a, I guess it's like a research study called Before I Do. Um, so I sent you the findings to read over. And this is by people in, um, the University of Virginia at the National Marriage Project. They sponsored it. Yeah. So I thought it was super interesting that people are even doing this research in the first place. Because you know I love hard data. Mm-hmm. So what did you think? Do you want to maybe give an overview since you read it today? You have a, it's fresh in your mind. So there are three, uh, takeaway points were that previous relationships, if you have a lot of previous relationships, you'll be, this is what the article said, you'll be less likely to be satisfied in your marriage. The second one was uh, if you live together, I think, yeah, if you live together, then you have, before you get married, you have a lower likelihood of being satisfied with your marriage. And they said your wedding is, this is the third point, your wedding is an indicator of how your uh, marriage is going to go. And I think the main thing that they mentioned there was uh, size of your wedding. So they found that People who had really big weddings uh, were more satisfied in their marriage. The only thing that I want to correct is the second point is not if you live together, you're less happy. The second point is if you slide into big life transitions without like making a distinct choice and having a conversation about it, where you sort of just kind of end up living together or like kind of end up pregnant and having kids or that kind of thing. Um Okay. Without, like, deciding you're going to have kids or you're going to move in together, that was the indicator, the, the making choices rather than, quote-unquote, sliding. That is true, but there, the second part of the article is all about cohabitating. Okay. There's The second point in the, when they say, like, here are the three takeaways, the second point is being a transitioner instead of a slider, but then the... When they talk about that point in the article, most of it is about whether you live together or not. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are some interesting things we can pull from this article. I have plenty of reasons to wonder which parts of it are worth considering or not. They lost, I have to tell you that they lost me at the very beginning when they said, many in Generation YOLO believe that what happened what happens while you're young won't affect your future. Ugh. Where do they say that? It's, like, in the first paragraph. Oh. In the, like, in the very beginning. Because, like, the first point is about uh, if you have a lot of 
relationships before you, if you, I think it's like if you have a lot of relationships and like you have a lot of sexual partners before you get married, then you're less likely to have a good marriage or whatever. And so all of their uh, data is based on this survey that's, uh, they said it was a four question survey. Uh, and then the people that they looked at as having the best marriages were in the top 40% of the results from, like basically they just call you and ask you these four questions. And the people who like reported the highest scores over the like a period of time, right? Yeah, it's it's like a five year study or something. Yeah, uh, which isn't enough time, FYI. But I have, I have a lot of procedural problems with this, <laughs> but we don't have to talk about it. Uh, the what's the point here? They lost you at YOLO. So the that's <laughs> the first part is they talked about that'll like, be the name of the this episode when you talk about. Uh, like number of relationships you've had and like if you have a lot of experience in the past and then they said that uh like it does affect how you like live your life in the future and i found this to be like really weird uh first of all i thought it was weird that they said generation yolo i know i agree i didn't notice that or i didn't remember it and then i thought it was weird that they had said they just said many in whatever generation believe that this thing happens and like that's not that's not like really part of the article at all and like their point is that if you i think their point is like if you like slut it up then that's uh, a bad indicator for your future uh but i found that a lot of the stuff that they mention in here is and they they discuss it but like it's all correlation and none of it can it may not even be possible to prove but none no. of it is like provable as like these Causation. things cause yeah. yeah and i don't think they're trying to prove it prove that it, they cause it they're uh, trying to find like long-standing indicators to say like you will if you don't do x you will be more likely to have y i feel that i'm uh maybe much more used to uh the like 538 style of presenting data but i found this whole thing to be like what is so what is the point like why are we doing this research like what is it telling us the point is to see if there are factors that can help you predict someone's uh overall happiness and relationships before they even get into that relationship but or what? like on their wedding day you can say you know 65 percent that they're going to get divorced within 10 years so what I don't know, maybe it's a Las Vegas betting situation. I think it's interesting, and because it's not studied very often, I don't necessarily know that they have specific goals in mind, but they talk about at the end, like, can I change my odds? So it seems like the audience for this information are individuals who are looking to improve their chances for long-term happiness in a relationship. In that part, they say in there, well... Before I get to that, one of the ways you can do that is not to have relationships until you have the right relationship. Like, I don't think that that's fair or realistic. Well, I think it was don't move in with someone prior to marriage, right? Well, that's part of it. Yeah. But part of it is, like, the amount of 
relationships you've had and like how many people you've like been serious with, I guess. I also think that um, part of the study was that they controlled for um, like family and economics. Mm -hmm. So they found that these trends were across children of divorce, children of parents who are together, uh, children with same sex parents, children who grew up without parents, class, like race, all of these things aren't actually the, like having a significant impact on these. Oh, I read it backwards that the things that they found are like pretty weak findings and the stuff that really matters is the stuff that they controlled out. Mm, interesting. <laughs> like when they say at the end, uh, if you read this and you fall into like having a lot of risk factors for having an unsatisfactory marriage, uh, you probably uh, have other factors that like we controlled out of the study, such as uh, like that are positive indicators, such as uh, having a college degree. So I was like, well, what are all of those? How much is the weight of all those? Like, that seems pretty important. Yeah. You know what? I would like 538 to take these findings because it's very clear that this was set up to, like, present at a conference rather than, like, for the general public It's not, to like, the whole, the whole point, or the, <laughs> whole, the whole time I was reading it, I was thinking, like, so what does this, like, give us? Like, what does this, like, the contribution of this knowledge, what does that, what, what can we do with it? Well, let's break it down. So the first one is about uh, previous relationships. So do you think generally that prior romantic relationships will have an impact on your satisfaction in your marriage with a different romantic partner? Like off the top of my head, I don't think it matters. Oh, see, I do think it matters. I mean, I think it matters in that like if you have a lot, you're going to both, I think you'll hopefully know yourself a little better. Uh, and like how you've interacted with other partners and you can handle yourself better and handle interactions differently. If you don't have a lot of uh, previous partners, then I, the, like what the, what this study says is that basically like you don't have enough to compare it to. So you think your, your, your marriage is fine. Yeah. I think that uh, that's somewhat correct. I think if you, there's like, a certain, I think there's got to be a certain threshold of previous experience and, uh, like, viewed experience within the relationships of those around you. Because, like, we've been dating since I was 18. Like, I have not had a lot of other romantic partners. So if I had dated a 100 people before I dated you, I feel like I would get, um, I would have a lot to compare it to. And I'd also be like, well, this is good, but I bet there's something better out there. You know what I mean? There's always that, like, and that's, chance to trade up. That's something they talk about in there, that uh, if you have a lot of uh, previous relationships, then it, it uh, like, their explanation was along the lines of what you're saying, that, like, you always think that there's so many other alternatives and that there's so much uh, out there that you're, you see it more of, like, that you're cutting all of that possibility off instead of, like, choosing the right person. For you which I don't think that this really measures that and I don't think that that is an indicator like I think that's just the kind of person that you are like you can still have a lot of a lot of previous relationships but know how to like choose the right one I don't think they're they're measuring that I think they're making a hypothesis based on the data that they have but I don't think that they 
made the right one. I don't think that they, the data supports what they're saying because they didn't measure that stuff. Okay. But I think that anecdotally, I agree. And you disagree. I mean, it's also like how much experience is too much yeah. in their minds, I guess. Or like it, the, this, the study doesn't discuss like what the, what the like band is where like, if you're, if you're past this band, then we saw a lot of unsatisfieds. And if you're under this band, then there's a lot of satisfieds. Yeah. They, don't I, they also didn't have enough them. people, I think. Well, this, this they didn't is, have data. the study was a uh, thousand people and like 400, and I think they said like 418 of them got married during the time that they uh, studied them. Yeah. They were included in the study. Um, but only 28 of them had been previously married, which I feel like is a really small pool. So that's the first problem is a, a lot of their stuff where they said like, only 28% of people had this thing going on. And of those 28, like 80% said uh, they were unsatisfied or whatever, but that's like four people in the end. Like the sample size seems very small to me. But anyway, those are, those are procedural things that we don't have to go into it. I could really like studies and stuff are really fun because I feel like I can go into I have all of those questions, the methodology questions, but I want to focus on what the points are supposed to be today. Yeah. Well, you and I, I can talk off, about methodology for a long time. I went off last time a lot on how unsub unsubstantiated the, those other articles were. So the next one was about the decision-making and the cohabitating part. Uh-huh. So... I super agree with this decision-making thing. The idea of making concrete choices to move forward or to like deepen a relationship versus just kind of letting it happen to you. Yes, I, this part made sense to me. I definitely agree that, because like we live in New York and it is extremely common here for you to be in a relationship and someone's lease is up and it's super expensive to live here. And so a couple just decides to move in together to save money. Mm -hmm. And then you stay together because, you know, you're on a lease together. And, you know, if we broke up, it would be so hard to move out and find a different apartment. So you wait until the lease is up and you either break up then or if things are fine, then you just renew. Like a lot of it is very... Um, Sort of like, well, it makes the most sense for us to stay together. I think here is the most extreme of that, though. Yeah. But like that, that really like hammered that point home to me because I know people who have done that mm -hmm. who are like essentially in unhappy relationships because they just sort of slid into something that maybe they weren't ready to do. But what does that... And uh, they're sort of trapped. What does that say? To me, I read that as uh, this is probably something about your personality like i my question reading that part was how likely are they to exhibit this behavior in the rest of their lives so i mean as an example i'm sort of half and half on this where in our relationship i think we're very much like transitioners we talk about everything oh, like yeah, we all love the big choices. steps <laughs> on, like we're doing this uh weird show uh where we over talk everything but so like in my job, in my career, I don't have that like consideration. And so like, it's not part of my whole life, but I wonder how much of this behavior can be part of like your personality and part of uh, 
how like how many people are just like jumpers in yeah. their life where they just like jump from thing to thing like not necessarily relationships but like careers or cities they want to like just move all the time and like not really put down roots i so i thought that this part was sort of like when you think about oh wait this might not be this might be the more of the first point too but that like if you have more relationships then you like have seen more options and that, that kind of stuff but doesn't that also mean like doesn't that also indicate that you're someone who sees that in general and that like whether you're whether you get married with someone or not what does that change the likelihood that you're going to leave this person like is married to, like so to use sort of uh like statistical analysis type language on this. If you're saying like people who have a lot of relationship history and I'm going to assume that means a lot, a lot, then uh, those people are likely to not have a successful marriage or whatever. But if that person was in a relationship and they didn't get married and they stayed together a long time, would they be equally likely to like dump this person as divorce them or like would they be are you saying they'd be happier just like staying together and not getting married uh like at what point is getting married like an arbitrary endpoint for someone who is constantly breaking relationships i think we're getting away from the idea of like quality because not all relationships are meant for ever Right. I, I also had that problem with this is yeah. that it, the, like you can have a quality relationship that comes to a natural end. I found that, uh, the perspective of the study is that if you are in a relationship, the point of it is to get married and that it, when you are married, the purpose of your marriage is to be in the top 40% of satisfying marriages, according to this four point scale or a four question thing that like, basically it's it, sort of like if you're not, if you're in the bottom 60% or whatever, then uh, like, what does that mean? Yeah. And like, how, how can these indicators either like, can they help you? Can they help the quality of your marriage or your satisfaction with your marriage or how, like what, in the bottom 60 versus the top 40, like how many people get divorced in five years or 10 years or 20 years? And is that a good measure of what are we learning? What is the point of this? I think we're learning that our choices have a, an impact on our future, whether or not we look at them as choices or as things that, that happen to us. So uh, if you take the, the second point about being a transitioner versus being a uh, slider. So does that mean if you are a person who is a slider that you can teach yourself not to do that and you should teach yourself not to do that? Are those the two things we're learning from this? Yes. Why? Because there is a correlation between being a chooser, a transitioner, and having a happier future. I did not find that this article said that it, or looked into whether it is possible for you to 
changed change one to the from other. one to the other. Yeah, I don't think that they looked into that either. I mean, they do say that, in, like, towards the end, part of it is, like, if you don't consider major life changes, consider them. Which sounds easy, I guess, but if that's not really, like, your personality and you just, like, flow through life, then you have to change your entire life. Yeah, but I think that they're not asking you to, like, consider uh, what you're going to eat for dinner rather than just opening the fridge and eating something. They're asking you to, like, think about and talk to your partner about whether or not you want to have kids before you just end up getting pregnant one day and saying, well, this happened. Okay. That's fair. I guess there are, uh, like, a substantial amount of people who are in sort of the middle where you can recognize that you're sort of part, you, you like, do both inconsistently, I guess, and yeah. you can, like, make an effort to lean one way or the other, but I, to me, I read it as, like, so smoking is bad, so quit smoking. No. <laughs> I think it's much more along the lines of it's easy to sort of assume that you're on the same page with someone else and that things are going to work out and you guys are both moving in the same direction, but if you don't have a conversation about them, then you have no idea if you're on the same page with someone else. Right. If you and I never talked about having children and I'm like, yeah, we're not going to have children right after we get married. We're going to wait a few years. And we never talk about it because I assume that's what you think. But you assume that I'm going to immediately go off birth control and we're going to try and get pregnant right after we get married. Like, that's a whole different story. And then we... I mean, in this case, it's a little bit different. If I really wanted to get pregnant right away... I would just go off birth control and think that you were on board with me. And then we would get pregnant and you'd be like, what the hell? I thought we were waiting. That sounds terrible. That is terrible. But like, like stuff like that, where you just kind of, things just kind of happen to you. I think kids are like the biggest example of that because people don't necessarily talk to one another about their birth control strategies. They don't communicate what they're what their end goal is, if they're hoping to have kids or not hoping to have kids or right. how long they want to wait. I guess that makes sense. I have context bias because we talk so much that if you did that, you would be, I would, I would take it as like, you're deceiving me. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, for you and I, that would be no question. I would, that would be like a big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. But some people don't, especially people who are not like, in a serious relationship. Maybe they're not even cohabitating. Like, like that would that would be as if, like, I cut the brakes in your car. <laughs> but, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We've been dating six months. We're not living together. You assume that I'm on birth control. I assume, I don't know, that I'm magically not going to get pregnant. And then suddenly we have a baby. Right, yeah. That's true. That's a slider. Yes, I mean, I get the idea. So that's what I'm saying. I think it is, like, it's about these big things, and I think it is positive to be a transitioner rather than a slider in this situation. I'm a slider at work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, an opportunity has presented itself. I'm going to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. I don't really love what I'm doing right now, so I'm going to move into a different field. Like, I'll probably be a slider at work forever, but that's not going to negatively impact me in the way that these would. Sure. So the last thing, the third point was about your wedding, and the. Do you remember any more points besides like the the bigness uh, of your the wedding? size of your wedding? Uh, the fact that you had one at all, 
like a formal wedding is what they say. Right. That was a small sample size thing to me also. Yeah. Because it was like... Very few people did not like, have a formal wedding. Yeah. Single digits or like 12% didn't have a formal wedding. And also like if you call someone on the phone and ask if you had a formal wedding, I think you're going to have... Like it's not exactly right reporting because if you elope, that's not like a formal wedding. But if the... If you have the two of you and you go to a national park and it's like the two of you and one of your dads, is that a formal wedding? Like, yeah, that, and then, so like drawing, drawing conclusions from the, the like 12%, I just like ignored that part. So they talk about the number of people being at your wedding, the higher the number, the more positively it correlated with your marriage quality. Mm -hmm. This felt flimsy at best for me. Mm hmm they talk about how, like, it must mean that you have a really large community that supports you, and so you have a really good support system. But, again, I didn't really see how that impacted quality. Uh, well, it's, it's... Like, quantity and quality don't... The four questions that they ask you, I can see how, like, if you had a lot of friends, it's... I mean, like, research in general is, like, if you have a lot of friends, you're probably happier. So, if you have a lot of friends you're probably working things out more in like talking to them about your relationship and uh, being able to uh, feel like you're being heard, whether it's in your relationship or not. And you respond to a survey about your relationship saying that you feel generally happy. Like that's what I got out of that part. Yeah, that makes sense. I just feel like it's um, over 50% of our attendees are our family members. And we don't see them very often. So, like, although I would say we have a large community, it's not necessarily one that would support us if we were going through a rough time because they're, they don't live here. I agree. And I also didn't think the buckets were uh, sized well because this there are three bars for weddings of 50 or less, 51 to 149, and then 150 or more. And I don't feel like it told us that much like the differences don't seem that big to me yeah there's like six percent between the first two groups and then ten percent between the next like so, it doesn't uh, i agree the, the interesting part from doing this show and like learning about putting together our own wedding and learning about how other people's weddings go like 150 or more doesn't mean anything like 150 is in general like a venue type number where above 150 uh, is like pretty expensive-y, I guess. But there are people that have like three, four, five hundred people at their wedding. And yeah. Go to any Indian wedding and if it's like less than 400 people, you're like, what happened? Right. And so what, like, how does that fit and in? And you don't know even most of those people as the couple. I can see how that they would say it doesn't matter because like if all the if all these people are friends of friends or like family friends or business partners of your parents or whatever that like that is a proxy measurement for how in general it's a proxy measurement for how good your life is so like it that that part to me doesn't have as much to do about how satisfied you are in your marriage and more that it's sort of measuring how satisfied you are in life or like how how well positioned you are to be to think things are going pretty good in general. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So is that how you thought of it? Yeah, I mean, it just felt it felt like a 
I don't know, they pulled it out of thin air. They were like, oh, this is also something that's there. Uh, I bet we could explain it. There was one part about the wedding thing, like looking at your wedding as a uh, like data point, as like an indicator of the health of your relationship or like where your relationship is going. That part I thought was a little bit interesting. And I thought of it as like when I read that part, I thought of people, mostly husbands who are like going into the wedding, like I'm letting my fiance pick the whole thing and I'm just going to show up. Like I don't want to, I don't want to like get in the way of her big storybook plans and I'm just gonna, whatever she wants is fine. So, like, taking those two things together, I find that that is a really, like, weird way of approaching the, like, beginning of your commitment together. Yes, I completely agree. Uh, this is, for most, for most people, this is, like, the largest event, uh, ceremony thing that you're going to be doing in your life. It's, like, we know people who, like, put up Broadway plays and NASCAR events and stuff like that. So that's like a separate thing. But if, if this is like the biggest thing you're going to do as an entity together too, like if you're not both uh, TV showrunners or something, then like this is going to be, a, this is a very big deal. And so if you're saying like, I'm not going to do any of it or like she can just tell me what to do. It seems very odd and it's a bad way to signal to your partner what your uh, interactions are going to be like, I think. Yeah. Do you know what emotional labor is? No. So emotional labor is a type of uh, work that is done in relation to other people that isn't necessarily like a physical task. It's more about like remembering and organizing and planning and being in charge of, um, uh, things of the mind. Uh, so women are like 10 times more likely to be doing almost all the emotional labor in a relationship. So like figuring out the kids' schedules and like making sure that everybody's going to their doctor's appointments and like reminding people to go do X, that kind of stuff. Okay. And I think that that type of wedding like signals that type of relationship going forward where the the bride, the woman in the relationship is going to end up having to do all of this emotional work and have to like dole out tasks to mm-hmm. the husband. Yeah, I th- I think that in general the worldview or the perspective of like this is uh I I get the idea of like this is an event that I like it doesn't matter to me what kind of chairs there are. It doesn't matter to me where it is. It doesn't matter to me. I like it's starting to stretch, but I can kind of understand like it doesn't matter to me how many people come. And my partner has been uh, coming up with ideas and thinking about this like forever. So I'm going to. Uh, I want her to have all of those, and I don't since the discrepancy in importance for all these decisions is that I don't care and she cares, then, uh, I will like support that. I can like see where that is coming from, but it doesn't make any sense to me because 
you're like, then why are you here? Like, why are you doing this? Like, is that like, basically that is exactly what you're saying, like signaling to your partner that that is what your life is going to be like. So that like, you can expect that, like, if you're good, if you're planning on having kids, is that what you're going to do with your kids? Like whatever my wife wants is fine. I don't care. Yeah. That's bad. And you'll just do what she tells you to do, which means she has to not only figure out what the options are, determine what's the best option, then, like, decide what all the tasks are to, like, reach that goal end goal, and then assign you those tasks. And in that case, why are you fair. together? Yeah. Like, what? what is this? And uh, if you don't really have any opinions, which I guess is fine, I have a lot of opinions, but <laughs> if you don't care... I think that you should think about what you do care about in terms of like Your the people, together? the people that, no, I'm, I'm talking about the wedding specifically. Oh, like, do you care a lot about like who is going to be there? People that you know is the, is the, I don't know. Is the budget really important? Uh, stuff that, is a little bit more. Is the honeymoon really important? There has like to like there has to be something that you're not just like whatever she wants. Other like otherwise, why are you getting married? Yeah, I don't get it. And even if you don't, uh, what I'm trying to get at, I guess, is if you don't care, the 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 sign that you are present and that you are. Uh, the two of you are planning something together is that you go over the preferences and the interests that your partner has and discuss whether you have no opinion about them, whether you like them also, or what you don't like about them. So, like, you may not, you may not care about, like, what kind of flatware there is. That's fine. And you can say, like, this doesn't matter to me as long as it matches everything that's going on in terms of, like, I don't want weird... Uh, if, if it's in, like, a barn, I don't want, like, real silver. I think that would be weird and too expensive and doesn't matter to me. I think if you... Which is, like, obvious, but... At least that having, that having that conversation shows that you're like you have a pulse that you're like you're in this like are we a lot of a lot of this kind of stuff is like are we in this together like are you a person am I a person do we have a relationship like if you're expecting me to do all of this work on my own by like it's by copping out and saying like I don't have a preference so all of your preferences are our preferences then like why are you here I can just I can get married myself. Oh, so many hot takes. I don't. Is that, am I wrong on this? No, you're absolutely right. I completely agree. Like, it's fine to not have an opinion, but um, you need to you need to still be in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to make a choice, but you can you can affirm someone else's choice rather than saying yeah, yeah, whatever you believe in. You're like, oh, you really like gardenias? I think they look really beautiful. I think that's a nice choice. Mm -hmm. that's affirming rather than like, whatever you pick, honey. Right. I don't give two shits. Yeah. 
don't know. And that, that so a contrast between the study that we were reading and this conversation is, I think that this is something that you can like explain to somebody and say that like these, uh, like this is the first like big. If you don't have kids already, blah blah blah. This is like a probably the first big stress point in your relationship, relationship together. And this is, uh, you should be, uh, you should take it as an opportunity to practice, to pay in, to right to, to support what you're doing. This third thing, like there's you, there's your partner, and then there's the relationship. And the, uh, it's an opportunity for you to pay into, uh, like make a big deposit to your relationship for when something that you can't see coming happens and you both of you need to lean on the relationship. It's beautiful. I heard it, I heard it in a Harmontown podcast. Dan Harmon went to went, uh, couples therapy. His marriage did not work out, but he learned a lot of good stuff. <laughs> and shared it with you. We have to figure out if we're going to go to, I think we're going to do premarital counseling. So part of, on that. part of this article said like, as like a throwaway line, like, if you do, uh, I forget the term if you that they use. you want to change your odds, that part? No, no, no. Uh, yes, but I forgot the term that they use. It wasn't like counseling, but like pre-marital preparation or some, something like that. They said like, the that is uh, a great way to, like the people who did that stuff were like the most likely to be really satisfied. And then they didn't really like go into that. Maybe, maybe that was like, they cited other research that has looked into that stuff. But I was like, oh, that seems like a really important part of this. <laughs> and then they said, like, for, like, living together as a lot of people will do it to sort of test whether they want to deepen their commitment to this person and, like, get married, blah, 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 uh, live there, become each other's family. And so, like, they discussed this is probably not the right way to do it. And then they said, like, other things might be a better test, like planning a trip together or meeting your boyfriend or girlfriend's parents or observing your boyfriend and, or girlfriend in different settings. And so, like, these are two, like, throwaway lines, which I was like, these seem like the most important part. <laughs> like, the, whatever thing I just said, the... Premarital counseling. Yeah, they, the counseling part and this part of, like, what things might be a good test other than living together, which, like, none of these they tested. They were just, like, throwing stuff out. Yeah. And, well, they didn't test anything. They just surveyed people, so. Or measured. Yes. Uh, it wasn't included in the survey. So, like, these things, I, in a future follow-up thing, those are the two things that I think are really interesting. Yeah. Well, we've definitely done all of that stuff. I wonder what those other settings would be. I mean, come on, observe observe your partner in different settings. Like, what does that mean? Let's let's measure that. Let's figure out like whether that actually works or like meeting meeting their parents. These are just like examples that they came up with off the top of their head. Like, let's find out what the real examples are. Yeah, that's true. That's something you can like apply and not just like like the study is more in the realm of theory and so if you have real examples of things that are better indicators than living together then people can do those yeah so i don't know am i was i like really mean about this one again because i feel like they're like it points you in good places yeah i think this i think this was more fruitful yeah in terms of uh coming out with concrete ideas 
obviously it's nothing's perfect. And it's also not static, like how, how happy you feel or how satisfied you feel is not going to be static over a lifelong relationship. Yeah, which is why they did it over a long uh, period of time, but not long enough. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was helpful. I don't think you were that mean. Okay, good. <laughs> Hot takes. Cool. Well, let's wrap things up. If you guys have questions or hot takes of your own or stuff we should read or things that we should talk about, you should email us. We're at wedopodcast at gmail.com. You can also subscribe and rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the other podcasting apps. Uh, Yeah. And have a good day. YOLO. (laughs) 